Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Talk radio. Julia Hartley Brewer at breakfast on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley Brewer. Still joining me this morning, comedian Dave Chawner will get his thoughts on why Ken Livingston... I mean, I'm still... It's not often I'm speechless, but I think I... I really am a little bit blown away by that. Yeah, the whole reporter was a bit, oh, it's all just a con, uh, is what uh, he's had to say about that uh, report into anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. Uh, But we're going to get Dave's uh, thoughts on that and indeed his thoughts on my next guest in just a few moments. Delighted to welcome to the show Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab. Good morning to you. Morning, Julia. Good morning. Um, let's talk about that report from the Equality and Human Rights Commission into uh, the dealing with anti-Semitism claims in the Labour Party. Jeremy Corbyn was suspended, saying it had all been dramatically overstated. Uh, we just had uh, Ken Livingstone, the former Labour Mayor of London, on saying that uh, it had all been a con. Um, what was your reaction to that report? Well, there's only two political parties in British history that have ever been investigated for racism by the Equality and Human Rights Commission. One is the BMP, the other is the Labour Party, and they've been found... Uh, guilty. Um, I think it's welcome that Keir Starmer has taken the action he has. But the reality is, uh, this is the same leader of the Labour Party that was uh, calling for Jeremy Corbyn to be our Prime Minister less than a year ago at the general election. Uh, I think it'll be very interesting to see what further action he takes, whether Jeremy Corbyn is let in by the back door. Um, And what really counts in all of this is how serious the Labour Party is. And, 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 And again, Keir was the one who time and time again was defending Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party as we went through uh, these allegations and many of them from within the Labour Party itself. Well, this is the thing. A lot of people are questioning the fact that only a few months ago, Keir Starmer was trying to put uh, uh, Jeremy Corbyn into number 10. Um, but um, nevertheless, he says, you know, he is now on top of the matter. Sayed Avasi, former uh, chair of the Conservatives, she, as she often does in the wake of any conversations about anti-Semitism, uh, has piped up with a tweet about uh, anti-Islamophobia. She says, uh, in the Conservative Party, do you think that there is the same issue with Islamophobia in the in the Conservative Party as there is with anti-Semitism in the Labour Party? 
No, I don't. But don't take my word for it. Look at what the Equality and Human Rights Commission did and has said. And they didn't take any action uh, in relation to the Conservative Party precisely because they felt that we had the processes in place. And it is crucial, let me say, that we have zero tolerance for any racism, any Islamophobia. And if you look at, as Foreign Secretary, around the world, I'm raising the issue of the treatment of the Uyghur Muslims in China, sometimes uh, often more uh, strenuously than Muslim countries. I think that that shows that not only uh, in our words, but also in our deeds, that we stand up for any uh, and stand against any racism or any Islamophobia. Well, let's talk about that in relation to France. Those horrific uh, terror attacks in France yesterday, a number of different incidents, of course, the main one in Nice uh, with three people killed, a woman beheaded. Um, there's been a lot of criticism of the Turkish president, uh, President Erdogan, over him sort of stirring up and fanning the flames of extremism ahead of the uh, beheading of the French teacher, Samu Petit, two weeks ago uh, today. Um, are we entering a, a new era in, in terms of sort of battles between uh, some Islamic countries uh, and, and we've, we've seen uh, you know the, the Pakistani Prime Minister as well uh, Imran Khan uh, 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 making statements as well are we, are we entering a new era of very strained relations where we are seeing a sort of almost a battle of cultures here well I don't think that the debate around that is new since the um, end of the Cold War people have been talking about this at a global level I think the most important thing from the point of view of the UK is that we're absolutely clear we stand shoulder to shoulder with our French friends, the French people and the French government. I've been in contact with Jean-Yves Le Drian, my French opposite number, to say we stand shoulder to shoulder with them. We'll give them any support they need in tackling anyone who, anyone else who is responsible for these hideous, hideous terrorist attacks. And, and also, more broadly on the point, I don't think that we in the West and amongst our NATO alliance, we should allow the terrorists the gift the sucker of seeing us argue amongst ourselves, which is why I think that solidarity with France is very important. Um, now does your solidarity extend to the fact that the, the, the right of people to print a cartoon of the Prophet Muhammad, and even if that is very offensive for millions of Muslims in this country, people have a right to do it? As the great liberal thinker John Stuart Mill said, we, we you know, we, we Liberty means uh, the, the, the freedom to, uh, to express yourself, but also that we need to be resilient about debate. And we can't just uh, find things that uh, are insensitive, that we may feel are insensitive or offensive, and use that as a pretext, particularly for horrendous, violent attacks, as we saw in France. I think we have got freedom of expression. I do think that there's a responsibility to express ourselves in a way which is sensitive, uh, to, to, to other cultures and other faiths. But at the end of the day, the biggest risk to our democracy is seeing those freedoms whittled away and the self-restraints or indeed even the censorship not to be able to discuss big issues. So I agree with you. And I, and I think we do need to be resilient about debate. Um, but I also think it's right to say that, um, that we also ought to be respectful in the way we express ourselves. But at the end of the day, in a free country, uh, unless you're causing... Uh, harm to others or violence to others or inciting hatred and that's quite a high bar I think you should be able to express yourself freely. Okay let's uh, talk about uh, stuff rather closer to home though and all these uh, uh, Covid regulations restricting our lives a huge new swathes of the country have moved from tiers one to tiers two and tiers two to tiers three Uh, a fifth of the country now in tier three lots of restrictions on what they can and can't do restrictions on businesses as well lots of talk of tier four effectively going back into a lockdown 
to all intents and purposes. Non-essential shops closing, although people are still able to send their kids to school and go out to work if they can't work from home. Are we inevitably heading towards what will, to all intents and purposes, be a national lockdown? Well, I don't think it's a question of inevitability, but uh, the virus will respond to the actions that we take. I think it is far better uh, to take a targeted, focused approach, which targets the virus where it is growing, uh, which allows those areas uh, which are not so affected to continue more akin to normal, whether it's businesses or uh, communities. And I think that's the most effective. I also think for communities, that's the fairest approach. But we need to lean into it. We really need to be committed to the localised measures. I know it's difficult in my own constituency. We move to the high tier that, that causes frustrations, it causes inconvenience. But by leaning in and being really committed to the tiered approach, we avoid and we escape the, the so-called inevitability that you described of having to take a national, national level lockdown, which is a far blunter right. instrument, both in tackling the virus, but also uh, in keeping the economy going. What do you mean by leaning in? Are you saying, you mean, if people all actually obey the rules, are you implying, therefore, where these tier restrictions don't work? And there's no evidence that tier two restrictions worked in Greater Manchester for two months as they saw infection rates rise, that actually people aren't obeying the rules? Is that the problem? Overwhelmingly, I think the vast majority of people are. But I think in this very delicate stage that we're at, we need everyone to be adhering to the rules. And when I talked about um, everyone leaning in, I don't just mean uh, people who may be listening or watching uh, to your show this morning. I also mean uh, the um, the local leaders, the the, the the councils working collaboratively as, as most are with the government. And my point, and the scientists have made this point, Patrick Ballance, Chris Whitty have made this point, with the targeted approach for it to work, everyone needs to be totally committed to it uh, at a citizen level, at a local I, level. I genuinely, I don't know what you mean by that. So I mean compliance, I mean local authorities working hand in glove with national, uh, the national government, and I mean in terms of both restrictions, but also the financial support we're providing. OK, but it also involves people actually following these rules. The thing is, we are seeing very, very different uh, restrictions in different parts of the country. We're seeing different restrictions in France, in Ireland, in, in Scotland, in Wales, in, 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 uh, in Germany. And yet every single country is seeing a resurgence of this virus. We are told these infection rates are going up. Does that not suggest to you that actually, as you said earlier, the virus will respond to the actions we take, that actually the virus isn't going to respond to the actions we take? The virus is going to do what the virus is going to do, like all respiratory illnesses and coronavirus is in the autumn season and regardless of what we do it's going to spread in which case why are we living with all these restrictions on our lives and on our economy well i don't think that's quite right julia although um uh, in a way uh, i think you've described it yourself different places and different countries and different regions within countries have taken different approaches the virus is not spreading at the same rate uh, and intensity everywhere and so the most important thing is to learn the lessons where and in particular the most effective measures to take track the virus where it's strongest where it presents the greatest threat focus with laser-like precision and total commitment uh, our efforts uh, and our financial support on those areas uh, and that is the way that we'll the, the intelligent way to tackle the virus uh, where it's strongest and that avoids the blunt tool uh, of a nationwide approach um, which will be damaging to the economy. And, and I don't think, as the, as the World Health Organization has said, is a, is a reserve um, power and, and because it is not the most effective way of tackling the virus. Well, it's, it actually says never. It's actual guidance for pandemics is that you should never have a lockdown. Yeah, we did it before. The Prime Minister said categorically there would be no second uh, lockdown. Pretty Patel, the Home Secretary, yesterday, I know it's not her decision, but she refused to rule out a second lockdown. Can you rule out a full national second lockdown right now? I can't rule anything. Why not? Out. 
because we're tracking a virus in real terms day by day and we our public health comes first but but you're as you will and i've heard you talk about this before the economy society the non-covid health implications also factor in so the most important thing right now is and the best way to rule out uh, a second national lockdown is to make the progress with the targeted localized measures and the point at which we'll be able to do that is where we've got the virus under control uh, at a, a level both in terms of prevalence but also growth rate where where we've got the empirical basis on which to say okay we're through this or we can move to a a much lower level of controls okay and just just finally i know a bit over time but you know you're married you've got kids you've got in-laws and parents um, uh, which uh, which set of grandparents have you decided to ditch for christmas day this year for the rule of six i had this uh very difficult uh, conversation at the weekend. My in-laws are in Brazil because my wife's from Brazil. So um, oh, you've lucked we'd, out. We'd we'd have, we'd have liked to go there. We can't do it. I've got um, friends in and uh, my brother and sister-in-law in in Paris. We'd like them to come over. Um, and I appreciate some of these challenges and decisions, family by family, will be invidious. But the reality is, we we my view is our fam- my family's view is, and I think the country's overwhelming view is, we've got to get through this, and so we'll have to adapt. We'll have to adjust. But, but the most important thing to avoid those difficult decisions um, and to have more flexibility is to take the action now at a targeted level. Okay. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. An extraordinary story. For the for the idea of the, the former leader of the Labour Party, the man who everyone was trying to get elected to the Labour Party as Prime Minister just a few short months ago in December 2019, to be suspended from the party, have the whip removed by the new leader... 
is extraordinary. There's circumstances in which it's been done even more so after that Equality and Human Rights Commission report yesterday, which was a damning day for the Labour Party in terms of their failures to tackle anti-Semitism in their ranks. Uh, but Jeremy Corbyn said that the anti-Semitism claims had been dramatically overstated, and for that he has been suspended. Well, let's talk to Robert Halfham. He's chair of the Education Select Committee. He's also Tory MP for Harlow and is himself Jewish. And uh, Robert, I'd love to know your thoughts, given that uh, you uh, gave a speech just a couple of years ago in which you talked about how the air was tightening for those of the Jewish faith. Um, is it is it loosening now? Does it feel a better day today after that report? Well, I remember making that speech in the House of Commons and uh, it was possibly one of the most um, moving times I've ever had as a politician, not just because of what I said about the air tightening for British Jews, but to watch Labour MP after Labour MP recount their stories of the anti-Semitic abuse they'd received from their own side and in tears uh, often and incredible people like Louise Ellman um, who I've always respected had to leave her party yeah. uh, because of it. I think to yesterday was a, a very important day. It's hard to believe that a opposition party that uh, whole credo is supposed to be against racism has now been sanctioned by the Equalities and Human Rights Commission for racism and anti-Semitism. It has been awful. I had um, you know, just doing leaflets in my local town centre, members of the far left come up to me screaming, go back to Israel and you work for the Mossad. And I mean, this sort of thing would have been unimaginable. Uh, I'm British, proud of it. I'm a proud Englishman. I love my country. But it would have been unimaginable for people for that sort of thing to go on and for those kind of people to have infiltrated well, a major political party. But this is it. So, I mean, is it that these people existed all the time but they were on the fringes and we didn't really pay much attention to them in the same way that the extreme right, the far right, they're on the fringes and occasionally pop their ugly heads up and then disappear again. And by the way, yeah, I'm not, as Lord and Andrew Adonis was referring to, Nigel Farage as the far right. I mean, that's just genuinely absurd. And, and meaningless. Um, but I mean, do they exist all the time and we just don't hear from them? Or, or, or were, they, were they sort of shored up and, and sort of in some ways sort of created by the, by the Corbyn regime under the Labour Party? I think they exist and they were allowed to infiltrate a major political movement, but it was encouraged by the Corbynistas who saw Jews as uh, every Jew as a rich person, every Jew as an Israeli uh, settler, or every Jew as part of the big capitalist a conspiracy. And the key point, I mean, I think what Keir Starmer did yesterday, suspending Corbyn, was a very good thing, but two things need to happen. First, he, they need to explain why they turned a blind eye to all this going on. It's not enough just to be tribal and support your political party. They should have done a lot more to oppose it publicly and perhaps resign from the shadow cabinet uh, while it was going on. And the second thing is, it's not just good to suspend Corbyn. They need to act against all the uh, kind of extremists in every constituency up and down the country where this still sort of thing is sadly still going on. Yeah, I mean, that's the worry, is it is still going on. And we, we spoke a little bit earlier in the show to Ken Livingston, the former uh, Labour mayor of London, who, who said, in his own words, he said that uh, uh, this was a con. He said, I knew it was going to be a con. He said, implying he's anti-Semitic, he said if he, if he was a millionaire, he would sue uh, the uh, the commission, the Equality and Human Rights Commission, for the claims they've made against him. And, and, and basically said, look, this has all been a big conspiracy to stop Jeremy Corbyn getting into power, having a radical socialist leader in power who was going to put rich people's tax taxes up. What do you make of that? Well, I think we all know about Ken Livingstone. And one of my political heroes is actually John Mann, a former Labour MP who stood up to him. But 
let Ken Livingstone put his money where his mouth is. I'm sure he could crowdfund the funds to take on the Equality Human Rights Commission. I understand there's been crowdfunding for Jeremy Corbyn in terms of legal uh, legal funds. So why not share the funds, take on the EHCR and see how far that gets them? Yeah, I mean, I'm saying, I, I would be willing to crowdfund that just to have that proven in a court of law. Um, it, 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 is, it is, I mean, an extraordinary state of affairs that we've come to this. What do you make of Keir Starmer, though? He, the very first act he did after becoming elected leader of the Labour Party was to, to reach out to the Jewish community and to apologise and say things will change and to uh, fast-track investigations, things that have been dawdled over for many years under Jeremy Corbyn and his uh, his time in office. Um, uh, and the, and, the, and one of the first things he did yesterday was to accept the report Report, um, as say it was a day of shame, and then to suspend Jeremy Corbyn uh, uh, as well. But um, is that enough, given that only a few months ago he was campaigning to put that man into number 10? Well, I respect him for what he's done since he's been leader, and it is a sort of semi-clause for moment. Expelling a former leader or suspending a former leader from the Labour Party is a pretty massive thing to do, given that it's probably going to mean civil war inside uh, the Labour Party. But I, I do think he needs to do a lot more, and his shadow cabinet and the deputy leader of the Labour Party to uh, explain why they did nothing and let it all go on and not resign from the shadow cabinet. They allowed anti-Semitism to flourish in one of the most important political movements that we have in our country, the Labour Party. I'm not, I'm obviously a proud Conservative, but it is a very important political movement and it's the opposition party. And yet they allowed anti-Semitism to flourish, which is unthinkable. And so they need to explain that, but they also need to show uh, that they are going to chuck out all the extremists, all the far left uh, from the Labour Party and turn it into basically what it should be, which is a, uh, a left-wing social democratic party. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Ken Livingston is the former mayor of London, a close friend of Jeremy Corbyn, and among those who has been criticised uh, by uh, the Equality and Human Rights Commission report uh, yesterday into uh, failures to tackle anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. They said he'd been accused of having committed harassment against Labour Party members of Jewish ethnicity and of dismissing complaints of anti-Semitism as fake or smears. The report said Mr Livingston was not protected by freedom of speech laws when he said that social media posts by Labour MP Naz Shah, including a graphic uh, which very much was an anti-Semitic meme, were not anti-Semitic. Uh, good morning to you, Ken. Um, do you accept the... Uh, could you, do you expect, accept the, uh, the, the uh, statements in the report in full? No, I, I was... I knew it was going to be a con because, I mean, given the seriousness of the allegation they make against me, they why didn't they ask to interview me and question me? They I didn't. Mean, literally, they didn't interview at all. No, no. Literally, I sent them a, a long statement. I, they never got back to me. And, I mean, yes, ridiculous to make allegations like this, uh, implying that I'm anti-Semitic without actually having brought me in and questioned me. I mean, if I wasn't a pensioner, if I was a millionaire, I'd sue them for for libel. Um, would their argument be that they're not actually investigating what you did, they're investigating the party's handling of the matter? Ken Livingston, have we lost it? Ken, 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 can you start again? Because I think we lost your line for a moment. I said they're, they're investigating the party's handling of the matter, not, not what you individually did, in which case did they need to interview you? 
Well, look, I was on Labour's National Executive Committee when I was suspended by the General Secretary. And it all started, you had that Labour MP, John Mann, got a television crew to film him shouting at my, in my face, I'm a Nazi apologist. Then he launches this big lie that I'd said Hitler was a Zionist. And then the General Secretary of the Labour Party suspends me without bothering to pick up the phone to say, have you said Hitler's a Zionist? And even yesterday... When I was being interviewed by you know one TV crew, I'm still being asked, why did you say Hitler was a Zionist? How can anybody, after four and a half years, not have checked whether I actually said it? Um, do you accept, though, that the Labour Party does have a problem with anti-Semitism since Jeremy Corbyn became leader? No, and literally... When Germany became leader, something like a quarter of a million new people joined. And then I, he got rid of the old general secretary, the one who suspended me, brought in a good new one. And she conducted an investigation of all our half a million members. We found that about 250 or 300 had tweeted something anti-Semitic. They were suspended or expelled. I mean, Jeremy got the problem dealt with within weeks. If he, wait a minute, if he'd got the problem dealt with within weeks, why did so many uh, Jewish MPs feel the need to leave? Why did people like Louise Elman and Ruth Smith and Margaret Hodge and Luciana Berger, why did they need police protection from threats of violence? Why could well, they not hold constituency meetings with uh, people without having a police officer present or travel on the public transport uh, without uh, having someone with them to protect them? Well, if it was all dealt with and it was all fine, why? Why were they? Why were they feeling under so much threat? Or did they just well, make think, it up? You know, when you get accusations like this dominating the news, you then get people who are generally anti-Semitic, not Labour Party members, but pursuing someone, threatening them, accessing their website, and things like that. So you know that that wasn't Labour Party members, you know, threatening violence. But there are quite. You know, I mean, I remember there was an opinion poll when I was mayor, and it showed I think something like six or nine percent of people in Britain had some anti-Semitic views. So there are anti-Semites out there. But you're not going to join the Labour Party if you're anti-Semitic because we were a haven for, for Jewish MPs for a century. Um, you say you're not going to join the Labour Party if you're anti-Semitic, but it was amazing how often when you see anti-Semitic tropes and uh, and messages on, on online, or certainly I see it on my Twitter feed, how often they've got Corbyn Easter in their Twitter biog. Yeah, but, I mean, literally, as I said, we had over a quarter of a million new people join, and some of them, I mean, perhaps as many as 300, had tweeted something anti-Semitic. But, I mean, the, the new general secretary, Jeremy, had appointed had, um, had them all thrown out the party within a few weeks. So, it's um, all, so there's no problem. So the Equality and Human Rights Commission, they've wasted their time. There wasn't any need for any of this. No problem in the Labour Party. Nothing to see here. Carry on as you were. Well, none of this is really to do with anti-Semitism. But what it was... What's it to do with? When Jeremy became the leader... And John McDonnell was appointed as his shadow chancellor. The establishment is terrified. If we get a Labour government, it's going to crack down on all the tax dodging by corporations and billionaires. And they were de desperate to prevent someone like Jeremy coming to power. And the same thing happened. You remember what was said about Bernie Sanders when he was running um, for president in America? He was depicted as uh, a communist, for God's sake. Oh, God, just... I just can't believe we're still having this conversation all these years on, Ken. I, I, well, I, I genuinely, I genuinely despair. This is all basically, it's all a conspiracy against Jeremy Corbyn by all the rich people. Mm. I'm assuming some of those rich people will be Jewish people, Ken, who didn't want him coming to power. So it's all been made up. 
and and all of these MPs who've been staunch Labour MPs for years, you know, <clears> left the party, um, felt they, they felt they weren't welcome in the party, felt fearful for their lives. It was all it was all just made up because they didn't want Corbyn coming in and putting people's taxes up. Are you, I mean, genuinely, do you look, really believe was, that? Yes, I do. It was a handful of MPs left, and I mean, I'm oh, well, that's surprised. all right then. What, well, you, what, because, what, about, what about if a handful of black MPs left the Labour Party because they felt that they weren't welcome or safe in the Labour Party? Would that be OK because it's just a handful? I mean, it doesn't really matter. No, I mean, that would be a genuine case of racism. And we oh, do oh that would be racism. Well, because because, because black people, black, black people can be victims of racism, Party. but not Jewish people. If you're Jewish or black, you join the Labour Party because we have a hundred years of standing up to every form of racism. Apparently you and the don't. simple we know the simple fact is this is about preventing a, a left wing government coming to power. And that's what they oh. were terrified. Jeremy Corbyn would create the most radical government since the nineteen forty five do you not think that it was the British people who prevented a, a left-wing <laughs> radical government getting into power and that was their choice in a free and fair election? It, look, the, the, the opinion polls, I mean, were really good for um, Jeremy when he got in. And then you just got all these... Well, then people got to know him. ...anti-Semitism. And don't forget, in the 2017 election, he got the biggest increase in the Labour vote for 72 years. We came within 2% of defeating the Tories. But our problem was, Jeremy, when he became leader, he inherited a parliamentary Labour Party filled with people who were brought in under the Blair regime. And many of them weren't really Labour. I mean, Blair really tried to change the Labour Party away from being socialist. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.